Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Matthew 6, 9-13 Welcome back to our How to Pray series. And tonight, we're hitting pause on the steps that we've been working through. Uh, we've done step one, pause. Step two, rejoice. Step three, ask. And we're hitting pause tonight to tackle a difficult and challenging topic. And the topic is unanswered prayers. We all have them. I'm sure as soon as I even say that, there's some that come to mind that, man, God seems silent in this moment, or man, I wish things turned out differently here. So whether this is your first time watching or you've been journeying with us through this series, welcome. I am glad you are here. I pray that tonight allows you to create some space to ask some hard questions, yet to feel safe. And I pray that you are reminded that you are loved. I've said this before, but this series aims to help you cultivate and deepen your prayer life. To, to lean into Jesus, because that's the most important thing, is not just to cultivate a prayer life for a prayer life, but to cultivate your prayer life to lean in and deepen your relationship with Jesus and to learn from him how we can actually pray. So remember, keep it simple, keep it real, and keep it up. Now, I'll admit that those three principles that I just shared are so much easier said than done. Like, I can whip those off. Keep it simple, keep it real, keep it up. But they are a lot harder to live out. You see, I feel like up to this point, it's been smooth sailing. It's been easy going. It's, okay, let's pause and reflect on the wonder of who God is. Check. Okay, now let's rejoice in the awesomeness of God's creation. Check. Okay, now let's ask him for some things. But this is where the rubber meets the road. As I shared last week, asking for things seems easy again on the surface, but there's a vulnerability there. It, it's hard, it's difficult. And especially, it's even that much more difficult when you have more on the line. Like, if you're just asking God for the surface stuff, okay, God, I need help with this. Like, sure, that, that might not be too hard, but when you are praying for a soul, when you are praying for healing, when you are praying for something that means so much more to you, it's hard. There's suddenly, at least this is the way my mind works, there's suddenly the, this chasm that appears with, with me on one side and God on the other side. And between me and God, there seems to be this this deep, dark abyss. And it's kind of this abyss of wondering and hoping, is God actually going to hear my prayers and is God actually going to do something about them? 
Now, of course, we know that God is always present with us, that he's not actually on the other side of this deep, dark abyss. But I believe that we can all relate to saying about our prayers and about going to God and asking him for things. Yeah, but... And each time we do so, and each time we question God, it, this chasm, this metaphorical abyss deepens and widens and darkens. I believe we can all relate to and admit to praying prayers that went unanswered. In fact, I bet many of us have a repertoire full of them that we could pull out and share at any given moment. And sometimes we allow those unanswered prayers also to, to, to create the gap between us and God saying, I don't know, God, I'm afraid to even ask because. I know for myself, if God answered some of my prayers, though, when I was younger, whew, I'd be married to a different person. I, I would not be in ministry. Um, th there's a list of things I could list off. But I even think of this past fall. I invited my kids into praying for a barn because I've always wanted to have a special Christmas Eve service in a barn. And I thought, okay, with the pandemic going on, social distancing, this is the perfect time for it. So let's pray for a barn because I haven't found one in the last five years of searching. So each night I would pray with my kids and sure enough, there was a barn. We found a barn and we're like, yes, we can have the Christmas Eve service in a barn. But again, with restrictions and the current pandemic, it wasn't the right time for it. So it was this bit of a, okay, you, you answered our prayers, but we couldn't actually have the service. So how do you reconcile that? And how do I help explain that to my kids? Like, yeah, he did provide us with a barn, but just not yet. But you know what? I'll admit this right from the beginning that I am hesitant to even use some of my personal examples tonight as we talk about unanswered prayers because I know that there are others who are watching or not, but who have experienced much more severe, tragic, devastating circumstances in which you cried out to God, yet things seemingly went unanswered. I think of Jamie and Vanessa Strickland. He's a pastor who works with my mom. And their little boy, Jude, was hit by a car this past December. And many, many, many people were praying for the healing of this little boy, only to wake up the next morning and discover that he had died. And we're left with the questions of why. Like, why did this happen? Why did God allow this to happen? And it's not easy. And that's why I believe it's so important we tackle this difficult topic. Because we're all carrying stories of hurt and wounds and bumps and bruises that we've picked up along the way, along the journey of life. But let me acknowledge that whatever it is you're facing, you're holding on to, you're feeling, it's real. Whatever you're feeling is real. And let me say to you, it's okay. It's okay to not be okay. 
And just because your circumstances might not be as severe as someone else's circumstances, that doesn't negate your feelings. It doesn't negate or take away your pain. Your pain is your pain. That doesn't cancel your pain out and make it any less real to you. So this is why it's difficult because you're going to have to sit with some of that tonight. And as you sit with your pain, as you sit with others and their pain, I think you'll quickly realize that we need to extend grace to one another. We need to be compassionate with one another because we all have stories. We all have unanswered prayers, but we are also loved by a good, good God. Even Jesus experienced unanswered prayers. In Mark's gospel, he prayed for a blind man and the man was only half healed. That's right, he could see people, but they looked like trees. Like, so Jesus had to pray again. In the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus prayed the night he was arrested and before his crucifixion, he pleaded with God, take this cup from me. But the Father said no. And on the cross, Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But the heavens remained silent. And there's another prayer that actually remains unanswered to this day. Jesus prayed for us. He said, may they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. But sadly, we remain bitterly divided. Bitterly divided. It's crazy to think, but also somewhat comforting to know that Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father today, yet still carries the pain of unanswered prayer. So if Jesus knows the pain of unanswered prayers, then surely we can be honest about our own frustrations and disappointments with God, right? But often we're not. Why? Well, I believe that when we feel vulnerable, when, when we're scared, when, when we're afraid, we try to protect ourselves. We, we put our guards up, our walls up. Why do we do that? Well, so we don't get hurt. But the truth is, we're already hurting. So while we're trying to protect ourselves from hurt, keep hurt at bay, the hurt's already within us and we're, and we're bottling it up. We're, we're bottling up the hurt that's already within. Do you see how we're actually hurting ourselves more? And some of the ways we do this, some of the ways we bottle up and we put our walls up is by isolating ourselves from others. It, sometimes even we, we isolate ourselves from God. We, we start questioning God's love. Well, does he really love me? We start doubting God's power. Like, if God's all-powerful, then why? And another thing I notice more often than not is we try to protect ourselves by expecting less. 
we, we downgrade our prayers. We expect less of God. We ask less of God because we think that in the long run, it will hurt less. Okay, if I don't, I want this, but if I only pray for this, it won't hurt as much, right? That's kind of how our thinking goes. But the truth is, we're not being honest with ourselves or with God. So while yes, we're addressing the topic of unanswered prayer, tonight, the truth is this. This message is actually about getting honest with God. Leaning in, asking our questions, bringing it to him, and simply laying it at his feet. It's about learning to be honest, rather than closing ourselves off and isolating ourselves from others and from God. You see, you're never going to be able to move forward in your faith, in your relationship with Jesus, until you know it's okay to articulate and admit your disappointments and your doubts. Because it's only as we learn how to admit these things that they can actually be addressed. Like, it's even just like any relationship here. If, if I withhold stuff from my wife and I don't want to talk about it, then our relationship just keeps getting strained. And it's only as I express my disappointments, my frustrations, my doubts, that she can actually respond. And the same is true for your relationship with Jesus. If you're not willing to admit and be honest before him, how can he address what you need most? I've said this before, but the Bible is often more honest than the church. And I wish that weren't the case, but again, we're trying to protect ourselves. And the Bible is just laying out God's truth. So we see this again, especially regarding these unanswered prayers. We struggle to be honest with God, but that's not what we see in scripture. Especially as we look at the example of Jesus. In the Garden of Gethsemane, we see Jesus experiencing pain at every possible level, physically, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually. Jesus says, my soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Luke's gospel tells us that Jesus, being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. This is actually a rare medical condition, which I'll try to pronounce. It's a medical condition called hematidrosis, in which the capillaries around the sweat glands can rupture under extreme anxiety and stress. So know that whether your struggle with unanswered prayers relates to a physical illness, to mental health, to a spiritual void, and you feel like God has abandoned you, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Jesus truly understands. He gets it. Jesus has gone before us, and I believe Jesus shows us how to endure disorientation, and pain. So let's look to him as our example to follow. I believe Jesus shows us two important things. And the first thing is that you need to choose to be vulnerable with your friends. 
As Jesus was facing his darkest hour, he wanted his three best friends by his side. Mark 14, Jesus took Peter, James, and John along with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Stay here and keep watch. Jesus didn't pretend to be okay. He didn't try to hide it from his friends, but instead he chose to include them in his distress. He even asked them to watch over him in prayer. You see, the temptation is strong to self-isolate. When we're hurting, when our souls are overwhelmed, the temptation is to just want to kind of curl up and be, be left alone, push everyone out, to withdraw. But Jesus shows us the exact opposite. He, he actively involves his friends. He draws them into his suffering and he engages their support in prayer. This is also the second thing that Jesus shows us that we need to do. What you need to do is choose to push into prayer. So the first is to choose to be vulnerable with your friends, but this next one is to choose to push into prayer, to lean into God. The temptation to self-isolate in times of trouble doesn't just apply to our friends, like I've already said. It also applies to our relationship with God. We're like, okay, God, if, if you would allow this, I don't want to talk to you. I don't want to, I, I don't want to share this with you because it feels too vulnerable. But Luke 22 says that Jesus, being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. You see, while our friends are essential, that community support is essential, we have to admit that they're insufficient. If you want more evidence on that, read the book of Job in the Old Testament. But our greatest need is to draw near to God, to lean into God in prayer. It's in prayer that we draw near to God and that we can experience the comfort of his presence, even in the valley of the shadow of death. I find it remarkable that the Gospels let us listen in on the actual prayer that Jesus prayed in his darkest hour. Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. Again, by having access to this prayer, we can learn from Jesus how to pray. You may even notice that there's similarities between the Lord's Prayer and this prayer at Gethsemane. The Lord's Prayer, which we've been reading each week and working through, says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And here Jesus prays, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. The Lord's Prayer ends with, Your will be done on earth as in heaven. And here it ends with, Yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus continues to anchor himself in his Father's love. He teaches us to hold on to God's love. Don't lose sight of it. He reminds us that we are perfectly able to trust that which we cannot understand. We can still choose to trust that God is good and that we are loved, despite whatever it is we're facing. And Jesus clings to the fact that everything, everything is possible for God.
But here's where things take an interesting turn. It's like, whoa. Jesus prays five of the most surprising words in the entire Bible. Jesus shows us here how to get honest with God. This is Jesus at it, his most vulnerable. Jesus asks God for an alternative to the cross. Did you hear that? Jesus asks God for an alternative to the cross. He prays, take this cup from me. He... He seems to go off script. In the Lord's pray, prayer, he prays, your kingdom come. But here he's saying the opposite. He's saying, take this cup from me. I, 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 don't, I don't want this. He knows that drinking this cup means he's about to face unbearable suffering. This is where Jesus shows us how we too are invited to go off script and get honest with God. We too can cry out, Father, I'm scared. Help me. I, I don't want this. We don't have to try and, and put on a brave face like, oh yeah, we've got this. We don't have to pretend that everything is fine when in fact it's not and everything seems to be falling apart all around us. Nor do we have to play a religious game of doing the right actions or saying the right things, trying to manipulate God. These five words that Jesus prays give us permission to pray imperfectly, improperly, if you will, and to simply get honest with God. But of course, at this point, we have to address the elephant in the room. If God is really all-loving and all-powerful, why on earth does he allow so much suffering? That's the question that has wrecked people for centuries. And while, while we are limited in our time and space here to how deep we can really go in this, Pete Gregg, the author of this book that I'm basing our How to Pray series on, has written another book called God on Mute. And he puts forward this motif, this paradigm. And what he says is that most unanswered prayers can be attributed to either God's world, God's war, or God's will. So to quickly look at this, God's world means that God has intricately established certain governing principles that make the world work. And it makes the world work best for most people in most places most of the time. So therefore, you don't find God tinkering with the laws of science every time someone quotes a Bible verse in prayer. The, these, these laws and principles are already at work in the world. So if I drop a brick or a large boulder on my toe, it's going to hurt. <laughs> No, God doesn't want me to suffer unnecessary pain, but he's also going to allow gravity to do its thing. The second thing is God's war. Some of our prayers aren't answered because there's an active enemy at work in our world, attacking and opposing the work of God. In other words, we live in the battle zone. 
We, we live in this now but not yet kingdom of God. God is still at work restoring, renewing, reconciling, putting back together all things everywhere. But we live in the tension and the growing pains of this reconciliation. 1 Peter 5.8 says, Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. There is a battle for your soul. There is a battle going on in this world. And God doesn't always get his way because he is God. When someone is trafficked, when someone is raped, this is not the will of God. This is sin. This is pure evil. But we know that God has already won and it will not be like this forever. There is spiritual warfare here and now, and this should give us all the more reason to lean into prayer and into our relationship with Jesus. And third, God's will. We touched on this a little bit last week, our will versus God's will. But some prayers go unanswered simply because they are opposed to God himself. They don't align with his will. And we as finite human beings with limited capacity have to trust that the infinite creator and maintainer of the cosmos will sometimes do things that we can't comprehend, but that he can still be trusted with the patterns and the purpose of our little lives. I share this quote almost every time I talk about God's will and suffering and I believe it just, it bears repeating. There's a deep valley of difference between saying something is purposed by God and God will bring something purpose. Choose wisely. This is an important thing to remember, that just because God can redeem the mess, that God can make something beautiful out of the mess, that God can use it for his glory, does not mean that he willed it. Does not mean that that was part of God's will, all the steps and the mess that was involved. There's a deep valley of difference between saying something is purposed by God and God will bring something purpose. Choose wisely. And be careful. Jesus ultimately invites us to trust in his wisdom, in his love, and his power that is beyond our limited capacity. He invites us to pray with him the hardest and most powerful prayer of all. Not my will, but yours be done. This is known as the prayer of relinquishment. Even though Jesus is sweating drops of blood, he admits to not wanting God's will, but he chooses it nonetheless. He doesn't want the cup of suffering, but he chooses it nonetheless. This prayer of relinquishment is an invitation to deep, deep trust. It's an act of surrender, surrendering ourselves to the will of God. And not just when it makes sense and when it feels good, but when it makes no sense at all and might even hurt us deeply. You see, we have the gift of hindsight. When, when we look at Jesus' prayers, when we read his prayer in Gethsemane, 
we now understand why Jesus' prayers went unanswered. It's like, oh yeah, we have the, the benefit of hindsight of looking back. But you see, in the moment of whatever it is you're facing right now, all that exists is an invitation to trust, to place your trust in God, to place your trust in Jesus and trust that he is good and that you are loved. Are you able to join Jesus and pray the words, not my will, but yours be done? It's challenging, but let me encourage you that it's going to take time to get there, but it requires you getting honest before God first. So where do we go from here? How, how do we wrap up this difficult topic when there's no easy answers, clear-cut answers. I can't just wrap this up in a bow and be like, here you go. I believe we create space. We need to hold space for one another and continue to encourage one another to lean in and place our trust in Jesus, who has not only gone before us, but who is still present with us. This is why we gather together so that we spur each other on, especially in those moments that we're wanting to isolate and remove ourselves. We lean into our friends so that they can help us lean into Jesus. We need to create space. And as we create space for people to get honest with God, it's gonna get messy, it's gonna get awkward. But let me offer just a few cautions, a few please don'ts. Please don't try and make excuses for God. Please don't come up with cute, pithy little sayings to try and make someone feel better. It doesn't work. A pastor I used to work with, his brother died, and someone told him, I guess God just wanted another flower for his garden. Please do not do that. It hurts people more than it helps people, even though it might alleviate some of your awkwardness. Please don't try to explain someone's grief and suffering away. Essentially, please don't say something stupid. Zip the lip. <laughs> Instead, hold space. And, and when I say hold space, holding space means being physically, mentally, and emotionally present for someone. Being there. Create a safe presence where people know they're loved and will be cared for and will simply be held. Pray with others. Pray for others. Be silent. Sit with others. Embrace others. Lean into Jesus together. And if you're not sure what you should say or how you should pray, ask them. And if you're thinking, well, this might be pretty awkward. Yeah, it will be. <laughs> Let's just name it for what it is. But don't try and ease your awkwardness by downplaying their pain. God is good and you are loved. Do you trust him? Have you placed your trust in him? And if not, will you? In just a moment, I'll invite you to pray a prayer of relinquishment. 
with me, written by Francois Fenelon around the end of the 17th century. But first, let me encourage you to get honest with God this week. First, set aside some dedicated time, 5, 10, 15 minutes, I don't know, however long you need to get brutally honest with God. And this isn't going to be easy, but know that he loves you. He longs to hear from you. Pour out your heart to him. Ask him the hard questions that you have bottled up. Share with him your hurts, your pains, your unanswered prayers, your desires. But then afterwards, I challenge you to pray, not my will, but yours be done. I'll attach a PDF in the description with a guide to help you pray the prayer of relinquishment. But secondly, continue to pray the Lord's Prayer. Do so daily. Join us on Zoom on Wednesday morning, anytime between 7.30 and 8, if you just need help recentering yourself. You don't have to pray it loud. You don't even have to have your camera or mic on, but simply you can just join in with us and center yourself on Jesus as we pray for our community and the needs among us. And last but not least, call, text, email me, please. If you want to discuss any of the stuff we've talked about tonight, or even if you just need someone to hold space for you and to help you navigate through your pain and grief as you continue to lean into Jesus, I am here for you. And if it's beyond my ability and capacity, I will connect you with someone who is better equipped to journey with you. But know that you are loved and that we are here for you and that God is here for you and wants to connect with you too. But let's close in this prayer of relinquishment. And then we'll worship again with Chris, Renee, and Brianne in the song, Goodness of God. And then I'll close with a short benediction. Pray with me. Lord, I do not know what I ought to be asking of you. You are the only one who knows what I need. All I can do is present myself to you. Lord, I open my heart to you. I no longer have any desire other than to accomplish your will. Teach me to pray. May you yourself pray in me and through me. Amen.